No, but but the cool thing is, is now that we're defining what no, what I think kind of newer creative looks like, newer creative has girth to it, has a story that gets to attach to it. And, and sometimes that story can be as simple as uh, as a Google ad, a display ad, but you know, now an HTML5. So, you know, that we have four or five slides so we can kind of tell that story within a four to six second period, you know, or, you know, we're running a 30 second video piece on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. You know, it's like there, there are ways to tell stories in every single ad format out there. We're just, I don't know, we just kind of default back to, I guess, the path of least resistance and let's just stick a $150 biweekly, you know, offer out there. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, Dane, for everybody out there that don't know your background and kind of how you got started in the business and what you've been kind of up to, you know, if you can kind of give us that two-minute origin story that is Dane Seville. Yeah, I'll try to keep it in two minutes. Uh, I'm a writer, so I naturally meander through thoughts, and uh, I'll try to stay focused here. It's actually quite an eclectic background. I actually started my career as a high school English teacher. Nice. So I learned how to break down, you know, concepts, parse it down for students to understand, network my way, and don't ask me how, I network my way into the Department of Defense from teaching. <laughs> and uh, so then I, I started parsing down complex concepts for adults. So I just learned how to, started learning how to communicate messages well. Mm-hmm. So whenever sequestration happened, you know, I was literally walking around the building spraying for bugs and stocking the soda machine. <laughs> and I'm a guy, even though it was a good salary, I like to feel valuable. So I was like, you know, I'm not, not valuable here. I'm not contributing anything. So I actually voluntarily left. But back, <laughs> anyway, long story short, so I got uh, into uh, uh, hired as, a, as an editor at uh, a 33-store group here in North Carolina, in Raleigh. Um, so part of their marketing department. So part of that deal was getting out to dealerships, you know, going on uh, 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 test drives, listening to salesmen on the on the floor, on the lot, meeting F and I, going out in the service bays, listening to customers, so on and so forth. So we knew who we were writing to and who we were writing about. So it wasn't just like this guy in a box, you know, writing about your dealership <laughs> who's never even like set foot in one. Um, so we tried to get a lot of practical experience uh, while doing that. Um, so we did that. I was there for a while left for a, a, a different uh, advertising agency where I sort of honed my copywriting chops, mm-hmm. then helped uh, form Reunion, which is about, about four years ago at this point. Very cool. Very cool. And, um, and you've been with so Reunion with four, for four years and your current position right now? Uh, uh, Brandon, uh, public relations manager. Awesome. So you're the guy that goes out there and is the face of the company. Yeah, that's what we're starting to do. I was originally the, the director of content, and uh, we got to a point where we were, you know, pretty well-oiled machine on our content side. So we were like, well, we don't really brand or mess, you know, let's get out the message for ourselves. Like, we're not marketing ourselves. So I transitioned yeah. over to this to this role, which I've been in for about a year and a half now. Year, year and a half. And- so I'm actually kind of curious before we kind of dive into it, um, you know, yeah. how much of your, your guys' own marketing efforts is more of a branding play versus a direct marketing strategy? It's a, it's a lot. I think it's a lot more high level branding. It's not really necessarily you know, like, like it's not really marketing to really like push to make the sale. Mm-hmm. It's more like we're you know, here's here are like here are free resources Here's where you can find us. Here's like you know our our fundamental beliefs and philosophies about marketing, and and more of like the branding aspect to like show that we're like you know thought leaders and we're like the professorial badasses of 
automotive digital marketing. So it's, it's, it's more the long-term play than like the short-term trying to push people, push dealers to, to talk to our salespeople. And it's because of that strategy is one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to reach out to you guys, right? Because I, I think that is, well, I know for a fact that, that, that that is the strategy where a lot of companies are kind of moved in the direction, right? The, and, and for dealerships, I think this is, gets really important as far as the strategy goes. It's, it's a lot of it has to do with the content. See, the, the value that we have to provide to our consumers has to go above and beyond just the product or service that we sell. And, you know, it, it, a lot of it has to do with the content that we're able to share. And that can be that additional value proposition. You know, the day of just throwing out ads out there that were $145 biweekly or $500 monthly, I mean, that story has been kind of beaten. And I don't necessarily know yeah. if that's what, I mean, the consumer cares. They do. I mean, don't get me wrong. All right. But that's not necessarily the story that they want to consume to make the decision if they're going to do business with you or do business somewhere else. Yeah. And especially as a young company, uh, like I said, we're only four years old, you know, we don't, we, especially when I started out, I think we're building some name recognition, but it, when we first started doing this, it's like, we need to demonstrate value first. Like not just, not just like pitch and like talk to our salespeople or, you know, click to book a book a demo. It was like, here, here are fundamental reasons why, or no, I shouldn't say why, but here are fundamental reasons and fundamental things you can do to implement, to be better marketers yourselves. But then also like, it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of grit in behind it. You might not have the time to do that. So we were, we've been your resource and we're happy to do that. And that hopefully you will then remember like when you realize you need that help, because I mean, marketing, you know, like, as you know, it takes, it's not just, you know, set it and forget it, click a button or, you know, type up a blog. It's a lot more than that. So whenever, you know, long-term, whenever, you know, you've seen us as that resource, then you reach out to us instead of us trying to hound you and call you and email you and, and do everything to try to get your business. See, and I think that's been kind of the fundamental shift in marketing for almost everybody, right? It's like, you know, at one point in time, marketing was kind of our way of putting information out there, right? It's like, here's information, you know, how much does car cost? $500 a month, you know, um, you know, how long is the warranty? It's five years, right? And, and that's kind of in the marketing what you push, but that information, that story is so available now. You know, and it's like we have to find some other piece of information, another story for them, for the consumer to kind of chew on. So I've been kind of in this place and, you know, we've been fortunate enough that with, with our agency here is that we're, you know, we're not too big, but we're also not too small. So we can make these adjustments and changes yeah. super fast, you know, and, you know, it's telling, I find we're becoming more storytellers than I would say what a traditional marketer kind of is. Are you guys going yeah. through a similar transition as well? Yeah. So, I mean, it, just even talking to the broader point that you're talking about, it's almost like advertising is even cyclical. Cause if you think yeah. like back in like the fifties and sixties, like Ogilvy, like the godfather of advertising, what did he do? He wrote stories about the products. He didn't just say buy this product. It was like, here are all, here's like a narrative about why you need this thing. <laughs> and you right. might not like call right away and buy it, but eventually clearly it worked because I mean, he, that's why he is or he was who he was anyway. But yeah, we, we've seen the same thing when we first started, when I first started in this branding role, we did do more ads that were like, you know, four times the click-through rate in paid search, yep. contact us now, book, book, your, book your, uh, your demo. Now it's more like, uh, check out our KPI Cafe series, you know, free educational resource. So we definitely have gone through that evolution of, at first, really trying hard to uh, just do that direct sort of marketing sales handshake mm -hmm. to uh, uh, being more of that just like, 
if you click this button, we're not going to call you. If you click this button, you're going to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which, you know, we'll send you those alerts when we have content come up that's pitch free and educational. You know, it's like, we definitely went through that, that, that transition. Well, I feel like what it is, is by taking that approach that we can kind of build value to the point where when we do come in for the ask, it's not just, it's not so quick, you know, it's, it's felt like it's more welcomed. You know, because we we provided value within content, or provided an additional additional information, or sometimes entertainment. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I find content kind of falls into two buckets for me. It's like educate or entertain. You know, or we get the opportunity to actually kind of do both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it just so it seems you're right. It seems like you know marketing has kind of almost kind of come full circle, and now we're kind of coming back around to really starting to tell those stories. And that's where I think dealerships have to start defining what those stories are. And that's actually kind of tough yeah. because they've literally spent the last, I would say 15, 20 years just putting the story of price out there. And that's what they've you know literally built their business on for a lot of these dealerships. Yeah. I mean, not just dealerships, but small business in general, like, well, that's I mean, true. Yeah. It's sort of, it sort of is kind of unique to automotive just because you have the, the, the manufacturers who put out like that, compelling sort of like, you know, evoking that emotional response to the vehicles and, and sort of commercials. And, and that, you know, like if you think before the internet, like then dealers didn't really have, I mean, you had like newspapers, direct mailers and stuff like that, but you know, there's more access to information than ever. And so now dealers are having to speak to customers in multiple channels, multiple mediums. So now they're responsible for telling their own story now, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, relying on, on the, the manufacturer really kind of do that aspirational sort of content. And that's why, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, like telling the story of your dealership, like your about us page should just be more than like, we've been in business for 30 years, we're family owned. <laughs> that's great. It's awesome that you're family owned. It's, but I mean, I'm sorry, almost every dealership says that same story. Like, well, you know, right. like I mean, who the hell cares, right? Yeah, I mean, right. you know, that you know Hilton, value to the, to the consumer. No, the, the Hilton family owns all Hilton hotels, <laughs> you know, like. It is family owned. It's definitely yeah. not a part of their marketing message, but it is family owned. Yeah. So it's like do a video where you, you know, they, they see like your, your dealer principal, they see the service bays, they see the lot. Like instead of saying we have thousands of cars on our lot, do a drone shot that kind of lifts up over the, over the lot and just show the breadth of your inventory. Like there are ways, like they say, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a million. So, you know, like do those things that, and if you can't, like if you can't afford the drone, you don't get the, you know, some cities have like licensing with ordinances for flying drones and stuff, but even just snap pictures, like do high quality photos of your actual dealership. I mean, especially like with a channel like Google, my business, like GMB, you know, like I've, I see a lot of pictures where it's like, literally like there was one where like they had a picture of their, a car in their lot and it was, it had a broken headlight. <laughs> it was like, why is this photo on your, on your, on your site, like on your GMB? So it's like, you know, and then, then that consistency across in all your channels. So anyway, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. Like I said, I, I meander a bit. No, no, no. But, but, but that's actually a really good point. I, I think what it is, is that dealerships kind of do need to create a checklist. You know, attention is no longer generated just in traditional forms. It's, you know, the attention doesn't just exist in the newspaper anymore or on the radio. The attention can be in so many different channels in so many different places. You're absolutely right. We do need to have a bit of a checklist just to make sure things look good. And, and your Google My Business is definitely one of them, you know, but also like I, I pulled up a dealership's Facebook page the other day and I'm like, did you know this? And they're like, 
I didn't know that was there. I'm like, dude, it's been there for like three freaking months, you know? So like, I think that's actually not a bad exercise. You know, right now, what the content we're trying to kind of create here in the narrative of this, of today's kind of podcast is, you know, we're, we're targeting directly to you internet managers out there, marketing managers. If you guys are in a dealership or in a small business and you're responsible for the marketing efforts of that business or dealership, you know, a lot of this, this information is going to be for you guys. And I think having a checklist is a, Phenomenal idea. Yeah, and you know, I, I always define content as, you know, to me, content is the message you want to deliver and then the modes, means, and channels by which you deliver that message. Mm-hmm. It's not just words on a page or an ad copy or, or your creative, you know, your banners, whatever it is. So it's like it's everywhere. So even if you think like, what, what really surprised me was um, Search Engine Land did a study about Google My Business FAQs. Mm-hmm. 90% of small businesses don't answer questions being asked by consumers on those GMB FAQs. And it's like, oh, yeah. that, that's another form of content. Like you're letting these local guides and other people dictate the narrative about your business. You need to recapture that. You need to take that back. You know, you need to tell the story. You need to answer the questions. You need to be found where demand exists. And so that, that there's that demand that's not being fulfilled by a lot of businesses. So, you know, just, you know, content is everywhere. And, and like you said, there's so many different, it's not just the newspaper and this, it's everywhere. And it's anytime that someone can, uh, engage with your business, there's an opportunity to produce content. Yeah. And, and, and it's in a lot of different places. And, and I think um, sometimes dealerships would be surprised in some places where their dealership contact information or reviews are actually placed. You know, I had a, a dealership today, you know, just, just find out that they had a yellow page review from six years ago, you know, wow. and, and, and the funny thing is, is the review wasn't horrible, but then we had gone to the actual page where the review existed and the review ranked actually pretty decently towards the first bot. It was first page, but towards the bottom of the first page yeah. is that the contact information was actually about four years old. Ah, yeah. So, so anybody actually, so there, we do really do kind of have to take almost kind of, I would say maybe quarterly or at least twice a year, really um, a snapshot or a quick analysis of where my business is being represented because it's not just represented at your brick and mortar. I mean, yeah. your business can easily be represented on 40 or 50 different places and how accurate is that information? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and, and if you think about just consistencies, Google looks at different ranking factors and different, you know, your citations, you know, your address, your phone number, it should be mm-hmm. consistent. Like, and it should really cor- correlate to how you have it on your website. So if you're like, like Wes, we're at, uh, or I should use my house, like where I'm 400 West North street. So if I had a business there, it'd be, if I on my website's 400 W North street, all my citations should be consistent with that, that 400 W should not yep. spell out West and then do an N on North or spell out West and North. It should be, you know, consistency is key. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how many different directories and uh, that, that uh, information can be found. And yeah, that maintenance, those checks are, are vital. Yeah. Having, and it's a good idea to just create that checklist. I know a lot of people are listening to go, but guys, come on, that's a, that's a little tiny thing. I mean, how much does it really make a big difference? Right. But the thing is, in this industry and in marketing or uh, just attention altogether, it's never a big thing that becomes an issue. It's always the little things that can add up and make a significant difference, either on a negative or a positive side. Right. Absolutely. And you know, and it takes what, maybe five minutes to fix that. Why not just take that quick, if it, you know, it's a minor thing, you know, if they think it's a minor thing, then just take those, those five minutes to make that correction. Like I, I talked to dealers uh, recently at a couple of different conferences about what I, what I, it's a, it's an old school advertising thing, 
but I see dealers do it all the time. Dentists do it too. It's called negative priming. So negative priming is like when you have a bad reaction to something, when that stimulus arises again, you have like a negative reaction to it. So if, I, if we went hiking and I got bit by a snake and next week you go, Dane, let's go hiking. I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not going hiking. Like, <laughs> so, so the words can be negative primers too. Like in dentistry, it's pain-free dentistry. I see that all the time on dentist sites, pain-free dentistry. Pain is a negative primer word. So whenever yep. people hear the word pain, pain-free, you're telling them you're pain-free, but the word that sticks in their head is pain. So dealers, it's like hassle-free, intimidate. Like I see all the time on finance pages. Like, oh, it drives me nuts. It absolutely drives me <laughs> And it's like, you know, it's a minor thing. Will that drive 100% of consumers off your site 100% of the time? No. But if it drives two off your site, why sacrifice those two potential shoppers because you don't want to change two words on your website? You know, it's, it, I can tell you have ad copy background because I've literally had, had the same conversations with people. But the only time I ever have conversations with that like that with people is because they, they, you know, they actually make a mental note of the words and the phrases that we're uh, that we're using. But you know, this was all kind of kind of leading back to what we we're talking about before about kind of building that brand and building that brand equity. These are all little things that can add up to how your brand is perceived. You know, yes. so, so it's how is your brand perceived online? Is it perceived that you guys are too lazy to update your information? You know, is, is the brand too lazy to respond appropriately? Is the brand using words that have a very kind of a stereotypical sales pitchy kind of, yeah. you know, bullshit approach, you know? Um, but also, we, when we use words that are to define who we are as a brand, we have to support those words with action. You know, it's not enough for us to say, I, I have a, I'll use an example real quick. I have a dealership that just um, just took over a dealership, right? So, sorry, an owner just took over a dealership. The previous dealership, uh, not the greatest reputation, you know? So, there's going to be an uphill battle right from the get-go. But the name of the dealership is so perfect because of where they're located, they don't want to change the name of it, right? So, big marketing play, you know, new owners, new management, new attitude, new everything, but we can't say it without just supporting it. We have to have supporting action with what these words are. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of the word hassle-free, but if, but if you believe that's going to be one of your commitments or your differentiating factor or whatever it is, then you better damn well show how, how you're going to be hassle-free and support that with a process yeah. and a piece of content that literally defines how hassle-free it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's that definite handshake between, uh, you know, like your marketing side and then when they come to the dealership, like you're saying, there has to be that, there has to be that synergy between the two things, because if you're saying one thing in your marketing messaging, and then you don't deliver on those expectations, that's a problem. Sure. You know, in fact, actually this one dealership and, and they're, they're, they they just took over the dealership. They've only had it for the last month. So they're, they're great at being very open and they're going to work through it. But, you know, I walked into the dealership and I've actually been in the dealership with a previous owner and I walked in and I said, just so you know, from a consumer's perspective, there's nothing new about this place except for the sign that outside that says it's new, yeah. right? The showroom is completely, utterly, exactly the same as, as I walked in before, you know? So it's, it's little things, right? It's yeah. be like, yeah, you may want to move the furniture around, you know? Um, you know, you had your coffee station over here. Maybe the coffee station should go over here, yeah. you know? Um, you know, the cars are always faced this direction. Well, maybe we should face them the other direction, yeah. you know? It's, but it's always little things that can make a big difference. It's almost like doing like the John Taffer bar rescue update to your dealership. It's like, it's true. You think about the flow of people like, okay, just update. 
mean, that's what I have. We have friends here in Raleigh that that own bars, and one of my friends literally will change the name, redo the furniture, redo the paint every three to five years because when he does that, everyone's like, "It's a new place! Like this is great!" And he'll get this influx of people for the next two to three years where it stays popular. And then as soon as it starts, he said he hits that ebb again. Then he's like, "Time to redo it." And I'm not saying dealers should every three to five years rebrand, but like when, but like what you're saying in this case with someone taking over this dealership, make it your own. Like you, like you're saying, like do some changes to make it feel fresh and new for people who might have engaged with that dealer, the previous owner. 100%. And really what the point guys were trying to drive home here is that if you're going to say something in your marketing efforts, you better can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's make it really simple. You know? that's, just, that's, a, that's a rudimentary thing here. Yeah. <laughs> um, do the damn thing. Because if you don't, literally your brand equity or whatever, you know, the amount of time and money spent into building brand equity at that point, gone. Yeah. Just instantaneously gone. And then with that goes your credibility. And and, and at the and in today's market where people are looking to buy into a brand story, this is so insanely important, right? It was relatively easy when the story was just price. I show up, five hundred dollar a month payment. As long as it was a five hundred dollar a month payment, then I'm in line with what the consumer's expectation is, right? Well, that's not the case anymore. The consumer's yeah. expecting a lot more than just the $500 a month payment because they can get the $500 a month payment at every single freaking store out there, right? Yeah. So it's, and it all starts with, I think, how we're marketing because that's our first, that's your first approach it's, or your first, it's your first impression of that dealership. And yeah. so what would you guys recommend? I'm just kind of thinking from a, from a message perspective, all right, what would be maybe let's say the top three uh, pieces of advice that you would give to someone who's in charge of marketing about what kind of first impressions or first messages they should be putting out in their marketing content? I think, especially because dealers are a community-based business, I think community involvement is, an, is one of the pillars. Like if you're, if you're, you know, contributing to charities, if you, whether you donate, you volunteer time, you help organize, whatever it is, I think a lot of dealers don't take advantage of just how much they do give back to their communities. Sure. And and when you don't really market that, people don't really know. I mean, you might think, I think there's there's a lot of like overestimating people's common sense. And, and, that, and, and that, that speaking to that, it's like, I, I think there's a lot of assumptions that people will just know. Sure. And people don't always just know. So I think, I think community involvement is a major pillar. Um, another portion to sort of that brand equity messaging, like building that brand equity, uh, first impressions, um, I think humanizing. So finding content that, that humanizes your dealership. So, you know, you have this stereotype of what a car salesman is and, uh, you know, unfortunately there are some bad apples still out there and still causing that stereotype to, to persist despite a lot of really great people out there. So, you know, whether it's, you know, like a, like an employee spotlight, uh, you know, interview dealer principal, you know, do different things that add that human element to your dealership that you're not just about the, the, the cars. You're not just about the make and model. You're, you're people who are helping people find, you know, that, that beautiful vehicle that they want, like what's going to match their needs. What, like you're really delivering on helping people, like whether it's a, a, you know, life event, like a new, like a newborn baby, you know, hooking them up with that SUV that has all these great active and passive restraints, you know, it's like, fine, you know, so find that, find that human element in there. So I would say like community involvement, 
adding a human element, and let's see, a third one, a third piece of first impressions. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, the first two are great. I mean, and they really are. I mean, bringing a human element, um, to, I mean, you can bring it into anything within the dealership. You can, if, even if you're running a campaign specifically on a vehicle, bringing the human element to what these features actually are, not just listing off the fact that it's got alloy wheels. Who the hell cares? Yeah. You know, whoa, whoa, whoa does it have a steering wheel? Does it? Does it? Oh. Um, you know, <laughs> like, you know, really kind of bring that, that human element into it, but make it kind of that, that localized. And then of course the community. All right. I think dealerships want to be, I don't necessarily think they want to be in their community as much as they want to be a part of their community. Yeah. You know? And if you're going to be a part of it, you actually need to be a part of it. It means you actually have to engage with it, you know, cutting a check and putting your name up on a hockey hockey ring is not being a part of that community you're sure you're in it it's pretty obvious your name's on the board you know but you know how do you actually kind of be a part of it and and you're 100 right dealerships have an amazing opportunity to do exactly that because at the end of the day i can buy a hyundai elantra from six seven other dealerships you know it's and i don't know how much money we actually need to be spending in our monthly ad spend on $150 $150 biweekly ads. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I think sort of speak in the same vein of what you're talking about with those ads, you know, like uh, what I think, what, I, what we know, what we know is based on studies that we've done is that dealers spend a lot of time. Like I, I understand the, 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 like the joy of having tangible things, uh, things you can see or feel or look at on the screen. Um, but like, like homepage banners, like we, we will have partners who, when we first partner with them, they want like 12, 13 every month. And it's like, guys, we've done the studies. It's like 6% of all home homepage clicks go to a homepage banner. And of that 6%, 3% are just on the first banner. You know, by the time you get the third banner, it's 0.86% of all clicks. It, it's so crazy. It's like, I why, agree. <laughs> like, like why not spend your, why not allow your internal team, your agency partners spend time doing things that will actually benefit driving that qualified traffic or compelling those conversions instead of just creating things just for the sake of, you're literally doing things just for the sake of doing them. Um, well, so, so you can have that tangible physical thing in front yeah. of them. It's like the newspaper. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I had a dealership the other day. In fact, I was talking to him. And of course, I busted his balls pretty hard for it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, and, and he does actually a really good job digitally. Like it, he understands story. They create content at the dealership, so on and so forth. And I happen to be in one of the manager's office and I see a newspaper ad. And it's, it's got their ad in it. And I went upstairs to talk to the GM. And I'm like, did you guys really do this? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Like, they didn't want to admit it to me because they, uh-huh. he, knew, he knew what was coming. And, and I'm like, well, what the hell? And like, before I could even get anything out, he's like, whoa, whoa, Jason, Jason, it's cheap. It's cheap? Well, since when did, you know, cheap actually dictate, you know, if we should be doing something or not? Like, I don't care if it's, I mean, what is it? You know, it's like, oh yeah, dude, it's only like 1800 bucks. Like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like 1800 bucks, you know? Um, but, but bottom line is we, we got to get smart with our spending. Yeah. You know, and we, we can't just be doing things for the sake of doing them because it's a tangible thing. And because it's tangible, we're happy about it. Yeah. You know, well, I got it physically in my hand. I can show it to people. I'm like, all right, let's get the pile and burn it in the back. Cause the smoke's <laughs> going to drag more attention than the damn newspaper ad. will. um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I love telling me, he was like, yeah, but they, 
but it works. It converts. They bring the newspaper ad in. I said, come on, really? I'm going to sit in your dealership for the next week and I want to see which one of these people actually bring the physical thing in. And then I'm going to talk to them and find out what they were actually doing before the newspaper ad. Yeah. We, we once had uh, a dealer that ended up not partnering with us, which is fine. But one of the main reasons was, is that uh, our price point was too expensive, but they would spend, they were spending 10,000 a month on direct mailers. <laughs> that's, no job. I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's no, no, I, 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 I've done it. I've literally been in the exact same meeting. Um, in fact, actually, well, uh, we're not nearly that much. <laughs> up here in Canada, we're, we're pretty hardcore about recycling. So there's actually, if you drive through some neighborhoods, and my neighborhood's actually one of them, there's actually a recycling box right next to the mailbox. Okay. So every time I've ever gotten this, I'll actually send you the picture. Um, uh, every time I've ever, because I've gotten the same comment, right? I usually pull up my phone, I scroll through it. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, you mean, you mean it goes to this place? You know, and it's like literally there's my mailbox and then right next to it is a, uh-huh. blue, is a blue bin and it's got nothing but just ads in it. <laughs> I'm like, that's where it goes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, and, and you know what it is? It's, I, we're not in traditional, but there's a lot of reasons why we're not in traditional. Well, we can really break down why we're not in traditional. A, the cost is too high. Um, B is that when, once you got the attention, that's it. It's gone. You know, once they consume, they open up that letter and they consume it. So you get five, 10, 15 seconds of attention, but then that's it. It's gone. I, I can't, I can't build off of that attention. And, and, and that's what, that's the power of being able to work in so many different digital channels is that once we create that attention on Facebook or we create that attention on Google or, or we create the attention on Instagram is that we're able to continue to build that attention over a period of time. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you think, you know, people see five to 10,000 ads per month, approximately. And among all that, you know, you want to increase your frequency for better recall. So if you look at traditional, like television, you know, number one is, as you, you don't really get the target in television. Yeah. You choose your demographics, mm-hmm. but like you know, a, tel- a station's reach is a lot bigger than your primary market area. Like it goes, it's well, more swaths of land than you could ever, people aren't going to be driving for, you know, the, there's a, there's a, here in Raleigh, like it's, you can see this, these, uh, these stations reach like four counties over. A car shopper is not going to drive four counties over to your dealership when they have like 27 along the way. Better be a pretty damn compelling message. Right? So so you have that. So if you want to increase your frequency on television, you got to spend more money. So that's not cost efficient. Whereas if you look at programmatic channels like Pandora or your video Mm pre-roll, social media, no matter which platform and social media you use, I mean, you can hyper target. You have like demographics and you can choose specific and not all those channels, but you you can choose different zip codes you know, different, you know, tar- hyper target your towns, online uh, behavior patterns, oh, the, the whole shebang. Sites visited, yeah, behavioral context, you have all these different things you can hyper target. And then if you want to, if you want to increase that frequency, you just have to target better. You don't have to spend more money. You can just yeah. get a little more narrower in scope or segment your audiences better. Like you don't have to spend a bigger budget to get that recall, get that frequency up in these, in these, digital channels. Oh, Dane. And I love the fact that you're saying that because, uh, frequency I, I, is it's, it's something that's not talked enough about, you know, and I hate to say it, but there are other vendors out there. All right. That do not focus on that at all. And will literally take, you know, a dealership's budget of two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten thousand, 10,000 and just wash it through some ridiculous programmatic process that will generate ridiculously high, you know, CPMs yeah. and an incredibly low frequency. So, you know, I think this is a great point for any, um, 
anybody out there that's in charge of their marketing efforts is that frequency is an incredibly important piece yeah. of KPI that you need to know yeah. because you're right. It's not... So it's funny, you know, I always tell, you know, we don't, uh, the way we build out campaigns is we have, we have a flat rate for the campaign. Okay. So it doesn't make a difference to me if you spend $500, you spend $5,000 on the campaign. That doesn't change what actually costs to put the campaign together. Cause yeah. I always thought it was kind of, cause the workload doesn't change. Like I, if you're going to spend 500 bucks to market it, you can spend $5,000 to market it. It ain't going to change anything that I do. Right. Yeah. You know, but you know, the difference is not, you know, how far it's, it, the cost can the cost can dictate the amount of people that we reach. Yeah. So as long as we can maintain frequency, you know, so the actual, I guess, um, the actual performance of the ad doesn't really change based on the amount of money you spent because you're just targeting less people with higher frequency. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but you have a, a lot more flexibility with how you can approach and, and maximize the potency of your dollars yes. in, in these channels. That's why, you know, like I, I spoke at it. It's not necessarily related to dealerships, but I spoke uh, in front of this a council of small businesses here in Raleigh and they were like, well, you know, I got to have to have a budget of $10,000. No, you don't. You don't. Cause one, one, no. one was a business owner. It's a small men's boutique, you know, high end clothes, tailored suits and stuff. It's like, no, you don't need to have $10,000 budget for, 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 Facebook ads or Instagram, like you don't. And then just under this impression that it's like television or it's like traditional where you need to have these massive budgets to reach people. And it's just, it's just not true. No. And it's well, cause at that point in time, I mean, the funny thing is frequency actually makes sense for a lot of these more traditional marketing people because you would never go into a radio campaign and buy a single slot. Yeah. You, you wouldn't go and you wouldn't go in and buy five slots. I mean, you would ensure that you were on 10, 15, 20 times a week, all right, over a six-week period, you know, where the consistency of the message and the frequency was always quite high at certain times of the day. It, it, it's no different now what we do in digital. It just costs a hell of a lot less. And we get, and we get to control who hears and sees what. See, I think yeah. that's the key thing too. You know, um, another great point for people that are in charge of their digital marketing at their small business or at their dealership right now is that your creative needs to be specific to your audience. Uh, the fact that we're still putting a single piece of content out there and just assuming that that single piece of content is going to be relevant to every single person that buys it, a widget or purchases a RAV4, like it, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know? Um, if, I mean, if you look at a lot of major, like Coca-Cola, major Disney, major corporations, they, you, mm -hmm. they, they have like 40 different ads for the same sort of like piece of con like content they're delivering, but it's tailored to all these different personas and audiences. And that's actually what we've actually been testing a lot with under, like, trying to diversify our audiences, I think up to like 24 different types of ads uh, based on a number of factors. So yeah, I mean, it's, it blows my mind that there, like, there are agencies and, and internal teams that create that one collateral to be delivered to everyone. Like it just, it's, I know it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and you know what? It's funny because you know, we're the same. We're structured the same way as a singular campaign for us at a bare bones minimum has 14 pieces of creative to it. Yeah. It, because it just depends on how many audiences it's just, we can't put one message out there and assume that's going to work for everyone. And we were kind of talking a little bit earlier about stories. It's the same thing. You can't put one story out there about your dealership and assume that story is going to be relevant for every single person that listens to yeah. it.
Yeah, I mean, and especially with you know with telling stories. I mean, man, how many you know dealerships will vary in size, but I mean, you have at least a dozen people on your staff. I mean, there's a dozen different stories you can tell. Whether you know, it, it, I don't know. It just it just blows my mind to think that there there are times where I have seen. You know, it's not just the creative or, or like, it's literally the identical ad every single time. And we've tested that with like, you know, different people and different devices and different locations here at Reunion. Uh, as we look at, you know, just, you know, getting a, a thumb on the pulse of what, you know, a prospect is currently doing with their marketing. It's just, anyway, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> no, but but the cool thing is, is now that we're defining what, no, what I think kind of newer creative looks like, newer creative has girth to it, has a story that gets to attach to it. And, and sometimes that story can be as simple as uh, as a Google ad, a display ad, but you know now an HTML5. So, you know, that we have four or five slides so we can kind of tell that story within a four to six second period, you know, or, you know, we're running a 30 second video piece on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. You know, it's like there, there are ways to tell stories in every single ad format out there, we're just, I don't know, we just kind of default back to, I guess, the path of least resistance and let's just stick a $150 yeah. biweekly, you know, offer out there. Now, what I think is for, uh, for people out there that are responsible for their marketing within their business is that when you are starting to run, you know, pieces or creative that has a story to it, if you're beginning to see pieces that are resonating quite well and engaging quite well, you know, taking it from a paid strategy and moving it to an organic strategy is really kind of the next step. And I don't see that happening a lot. Yeah. You know, like I, I had a, or, or even kind of vice versa, right? Like, I mean, I had a dealership, a Chrysler dealership do a, a horribly done video about how to change your windshield wipers on a Jeep Wrangler, right? Um, well, this, this video has like 80,000 views, because organically, people looking for how the hell do I change my windshield wipers on my, on, on, on my Wrangler. But the problem yeah. is they, they had this great engagement organically on it. Then they never actually translated it over to a paid strategy where they can actually put a call to action behind it and actually start converting that. If for some reason, I don't know why paid and organic for a lot of strategies I see out there are kind of these two entirely separate entities and they don't seem to kind of cross over with each other. I Again, it's, it's that we were talking about earlier, you know, from the handoff from marketing to the dealership, it's also organic to pay. There's got to be synergies. There's got to be consistency in your message between those, between those two organic and paid there. I mean, there has to be. And, you know, going back to your point on, you know, um, you know, seeing what's working. I mean, that's another insight you get with digital channels. You don't really get with, with traditional is really being able to gauge the effectiveness of your different efforts. And then, you know, you ABC test things and then you, you see what's working and then you replicate that. Uh, but just, you know, modifying it by matching, tailoring it to the audience. But you can see sort of like what's working and, and sort of and replicate that success again. And then, you know, you stop running, you know, your, your social media ad that has the, you know, the high CPC and, and you know, the, the worst metrics. And, and you put your money behind the one that's working. Um, and then you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. You, I mean, if it's, you know, content you can recycle months later, why not? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time either. Um, but yeah, and then even thinking about, um, you know, talking about the path of least resistance, you know, that's why we talked about earlier that, you know, marketing is not necessarily hard, but it's a lot of work mm -hmm. when you do it right. So it's like, you know, really like diving into understanding your audiences, not that hard, but it's going to take time for you to dig into all the analytics and all the data that you have available. So marketing's not hard, but it takes a lot of grit to do it right. And, and there's just, you know, again, going back then to that single creative, it, it's, that's, you know, that's, I don't want to say lazy, but that's the easy way out. 
Well, I think what it is, is I kind of break marketing down into kind of three categories. You know, it's, it's the creative, right? It's the execution, right? But then there's also the strategy. And I think if, if you're out there and you're listening to this or watching this and you're responsible, you know, for the marketing efforts at your dealership or your business, okay, um, you got to kind of know, you need to have that kind of self-awareness of where you play within those three spaces. You yeah. know, know what you know and you know what you don't know. Right. And then you kind of work within, you know, uh, either hire out or you work with other vendors or other agencies, but, you know, kind of just don't be the jack of all trades and master of nothing. Yeah. Because I see that happen so often right now in that, that title, that, that position within businesses. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, and that's why I think it's important for, you know, to, like you're saying, to, to find those right partners for, to, to sort of, bolster your weaknesses and then make you better. I mean, you, when you partner with smarter people, you then learn and then you're, you're, you're better able to, when you work with people who are really good at what they do, you learn from them and you're able to, you're better able to hold them accountable too. So there's, there's that benefit in, and when you work with people who really know what they're doing, then you kind of pick things up and you go, wait a minute, I, you know, what's going on here? I, you know, so you, you're actually, you're, you're better equipped to understand, you know, what's working, what's not, and, 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 and be able to communicate and ask the right questions. A hundred percent. I mean, I had a, a dealership, uh, I met with their um, marketing director, okay, and uh, just got talking, got to know him a little bit, and really how he kind of got into the position um, was uh, his passion for video and, you know, taking pictures and being able to tell stories through, you know, imagery and videos. And that's really kind of put him into that space. But then, but then the dealership did something stupid and then put him into a position where he was in charge of execution and in charge of the strategy of it. And it's not that he couldn't do it, but that's not where his passion was. So by having to put him into this place, he was spending a lot less time in the creative space, being able to tell that story and capture that story, you know, and kind of build off of it, you know, and, so he's becoming that jack of all trades and masters of nothing. Yeah. And the marketing efforts were so watered down, you know, it's like I noticed it because at one point it was really good. And then I saw it actually kind of start to scale out. And I yeah. think owners kind of need to be aware of this as well, is that the people that you have in charge of that position, where do they feel most comfortable playing? Let them be that master in that space. If it's, if it's more of the strategy level and they're an analytics driven person and they're going to sit there and they're going to consume all that data and really know who the hell's engaging with which piece of creative and who's engaging in which spot and they can start developing out strategies, they're going to, you know, make that spend you know, be better or more cost effective then yeah, let them play in that space. You know, yeah. for, for sometimes it's just execution. They just want to just, I just want to post. I want to post, 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 post. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and that's why like with, what, what's sort of astounded me a lot of times with, especially even dealer groups that I, I've, I've seen, you know, they just hired, they have the one person, their, their internet director to be the jack of all trades and master of none. And I mean, it, I'll, I'll, I'll make an analogy, like a comparison to our company as we grew. You know, when we were young and there were like 14 of us, of course, we couldn't, we had to be master, you know, masters of, of everything, at least we had to be jack of all trades. But then as we've grown, like our SEO team now, it's like we have someone whose specialty is in technical SEO. Mm-hmm. We have another person whose specialty is in Google My Business, another person whose specialty is in, you know, so we've diversified and, and then you build that framework out and that training so that, you know, if that person happens to leave, there's not necessarily that panic of to fill a void. We already have that whole framework, uh, workflow, training documents, everything fleshed out 
that that we could find someone that that can that has that passion for it. So mm-hmm. my point is that in dealerships, like I'm, I'm astounded by all the time about them avoiding like giving an internet director, you know, two three people to work for them, and they're and they're leaving this one person to try to do it all, and that's why a lot of them, you know, and then, then they're still averse to having that person partner with an agency. Yep. Like no, we don't want to hire people for you, and we don't want to spend the money for an agency, and you're just kind of, you know, screwing people over right there. You're not. You're not giving that person what they need. hundred percent. And then that's why I don't, I'm not surprised when they default to the path of least resistance and the ads they're putting out there is $150 biweekly. <laughs> you know, I mean, because they have to, I mean, it's, what yeah. other, other option there is, you know, um, you know, but, Dane, I, I can't tell you how much I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to, you know, jam with me today. I think this is just, we've covered just some amazing pieces, you know, for um, anybody out there that's in charge of their marketing efforts at their dealership or at their business. I, I think there's some great advice, some great takeaways here for you. Also, you know, owners, if you guys are listening to this, you know, make sure you have someone that's not the jack of all trades. Make sure that, you know, if their, if their space is in that creative or that execution, or that strategy, well, let them play in that space because the more they can play in that space and their passion is in that space, then you're going to reap the benefits 10 times, you know, yeah. and either hire or partner for those other spaces that they don't or, or aren't feeling as comfortable as playing in. Because the better dealer principals can equip their team to, to build those specialties and follow those passions, the better return on investment they're going to get. 100%. It's an investment. The marketing shouldn't be a spend. It's an investment. And when oh, you invest, like, I like wisely, that. that's really good. You invest wisely, you're going to get that return and you're going to see the positive results from it. So. I, I actually, I think that should almost be like the tagline of this particular video is that your marketing is an investment. It's not a spend. And, you know, if you kind of taken all the information that we've kind of put out during, you know, during this time, you know, you can start to see how that investment will build over a period of time and just do some amazing things. And, and that, what you just said is the keyword, give it time. You can't just in 30 days, you're not going <laughs> to... You're, you're, you're typically, I shouldn't say always, it would be an anomaly, but an outlier, but you need to give it time. Invest and give it that, you know, water the plant and let the plant bloom. It's going to take more than just, you know, one month to do 100% it. 100% right. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, be, be prepared for it and just, and just go for it, right? Yes. Um, uh, hey, Dane, for anybody out there that would love to connect with you and just find out a little bit more about what you guys do, what is the best way to connect with you? Uh, a couple of different ways. Um, uh, of course, uh, LinkedIn, Dane Seville, D-A-N-E-S-A-V-I-L-L-E. Uh, look me up there, uh, Dane, D-A-N-E, at reunionmarketing.com, or call or text me, 919-413-1975. Anything, anything uh, will work. So, any which way if somebody wants to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks again, Dane, for uh, jamming with me. I had a great time. Jason, thank you very much. I was, I was definitely looking forward to this. I follow your content a lot, so I was excited to do this today. Thanks. Much appreciated. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, have a great day.